Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Hunter McWaters, and you are listening to the Hunter's Quest podcast. Uh, excited about today's episode. Uh, I'm sitting down with yet another extremely cool Canadian. <laughs> um, and if you have done any listening, or I mean, any watching, excuse me, of uh, Sportsman Channel, um, or, you know, even YouTube and you're into, uh, kind of the, the Northern hunting, you know, moose hunting and sheep hunting and that kind of stuff. You may have heard of my guest today. His name is Greg McHale. He's got a show on Sportsman Channel called Greg McHale's Wild Yukon. And it's definitely one of the coolest, one of the wildest shows on Sportsman Channel. He's always doing some crazy adventure. You know, he's hunting moose in the mountains. He's, uh, doing doll sheep or whatnot. Um, Really cool guy, great hunter, and um, he actually teaches me in this episode how to mouth call for moose. So it's pretty interesting. He shows me step by step and kind of guides me through and teaches me how to how to call in a moose with the old mouth call. So hopefully one day I'll be able to try it out, um, out try it out soon. But um, it's a great episode. I think you guys will really enjoy it. I want to remind you one more time to use the code QUEST at GOHUNT, whether you want to join Insider or grab some gear in the gear shop, you will save money, you'll be getting great products, and you'll be helping the show directly. So I would appreciate that. Also, if you leave me a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to send you some swag in the mail, So, and I'm going to give you a shout-out on the show. So please do that. It really helps get the word out. You know, Share the show on social media. Send it to your friends. Text it. Put it in your story. Anything you guys can do, if you appreciate the work and all the effort and time that goes into creating this content on top of all the other stuff I'm doing with trying to get my show off the ground, with editing and doing sound and color and trying to find sponsors and, you know, Raising a family, trying to stay in shape, uh, planning the next hunting season. It is a lot for one person, but I really want to continue bringing these high-quality conversations to you guys. So if you enjoy them and you want me to keep doing them, it would just be super helpful, and I'd really appreciate it if you go leave me a five-star rating and a written review um, to help me get the word out, share the podcast with friends and family uh, so I can just keep it growing, guys. Um, because that'll just give me the juice to continue, even though it's uh, you know it's a lot of work. I love it, and I want to keep doing it. So I'd appreciate y'all's support. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and we'll see you on the next one. Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is Hunter. I'm here today with my guest, Greg McHale. How you doing, brother? I'm great. Thanks a lot. Uh, I appreciate you having me. No, things are really good. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, if you guys aren't aware, um, Greg's producer of definitely one of the best shows on outdoor TV, Greg McHale's Wild Yukon. So, um, yeah, it's great to have you. And we were just talking about uh, the weather up there. You said it's unseasonably warm, huh? Yeah, we've been, um, I don't know, we're, It's it's been really good, but normally we'd have snow by now, certainly up high in the mountains, totally covered in snow. Yeah. Like last year at this time, I was looking at uh, getting out and hunting moose and it, it took me four different attempts to get into, <laughs> into the area I was trying to get into because of the snow. And right now we've got none. So it's, it's interesting. Different. Is that, is that good or bad for hunting? 
Generally speaking, I would say for most people, it's really good. Um, for me, I, I really enjoy that late season moose hunting, yeah. um, blowing snow and, you know, it's just, it's more spot and stock. Um, mm -hmm. I find that the big bulls, they'll all move up into the mountains out of all the river valleys. And I can really get a good look at a lot of different animals. Uh, the challenge is, you know, getting them once you get, get it down or even getting in is a challenge, but once you do get into those areas and get them down, then, um, then the challenge is getting them out in the snow <laughs> yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, that's, um, that's actually something I do want to dive in with you on a little bit later um is your style of moose hunting i'm very interested in that but um but before we get that uh before we get there um how's your season been uh, so far actually the season has been um really good yeah some of them you know not to say that i've had had a bad one um just some you have to work a little bit a little bit harder than than others yeah um but this year you know it's you have to it's been a bit, a little bit different because the last few years, the guys I work with, they have young families and they just mm -hmm. can't be in the field as much as, um, as you know, maybe you'd want to be. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the, a lot of my work really starts in July and just, you know, the, in the field work. So I'm in the, I'm flying a lot and I'm just out in the wilderness before our hunting season even starts all that preseason work just uh, to get that, you know, to get the season in the right direction. And it really worked out great for us this year. We had an amazing first sheep hunt and awesome. it just kind of kept, kept rolling from there. We were been a lot of mountain hunting this year, as opposed to maybe in the past, I've done maybe a little bit more moose hunting and, but we did a lot of mountain hunting this year, which was kind of the wheelhouse. So it was great. That's awesome. And so you have kids too, correct? Yeah, I have two. I have a son. He's 10. His name is Coulter. And Yari, she's our daughter, and uh, she's seven. So it's awesome. busy around here. Yeah, I have a seven and a three-year-old. So not too yeah. far behind you. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly what it's. Uh, I think, in fact, that we were trying to uh, do this podcast once before, and you had things oh, yeah. going on with the kids, which is which is great. Yeah, like, I was I'm taking like, my son on his first dove hunt, actually. Yeah, so get out there and hunting, and that was that was awesome to hear. Yeah, he he had a we had a great time. He he loved it, and you know then we did the whole thing of showed him how to clean them, and he ate them for dinner, and it was just a great experience, you know. Yeah, what's his name? His name's Leon. Leon. Yeah, yeah. and and he's the oldest. And what's yep. the uh, what's the younger one? The other one is a daughter. She's three. Her name is Niaz. Nice. It's Niaz, a Persian a name. My my wife's uh, Iranian American. Perfect. Yeah. Beautiful. Nice. Yeah, man. So have you, have your kids ex uh, like expressed interest in hunting much yet? Or yeah, well, I mean, this year um, was the first year in the last uh, last three that I haven't taken my my son. Normally, he would be sheep hunting with me mm. and my and my father. So he's done. We've done a couple sheep hunts together. Started out when he was seven. Nice. Um, so yeah, this year he didn't because he had hockey commitments and he's very, uh, into sports. They both are. Yeah. Um, so they're, and he was playing hockey away at some hockey camps and stuff. So he didn't, uh, we didn't get to pull the trigger on, on a sheep hunt with him this year, 
and my daughter's super keen to go hunting next year. So um, that's definitely in the works. I got to plan a, a family hunt for next year. Nice, man. So what part of the Yukon territory are you in? Like, are you in? Are you like over near Alaska? Or are you north, south, east, west? Yep, we're we're in the south. I'm right in Whitehorse is home base. Okay. Um, so we're about an hour and a half from Skagway, Alaska. Okay. And it's yeah, it's pretty much in southern Yukon. But fortunately, I get to uh, move all around the Yukon. It's it's a big, wide, uh, wide, vast place. Yeah. And there's lots of room to play out here, and I try to use all of it. Yeah, man. I mean, being a pilot, that just must be amazing. Just open up so many doors. Yeah, like it certainly is. Um, it's certainly an advantage that it really, I would never, if I was just hunting without a pilot's license, without an airplane, um, I would never get to see the beautiful places I do. Yeah. Um, I'm very much, you'd be very much stuck to roads or ATV trails or, you know, waterways. Yeah. But this just, uh, and, and it's such a passion flying bush planes is just is so much fun do you guys fly super cubs up there a lot or yeah so i have a super cub and i have a cessna 185 so i use the i use the cub a lot obviously for all backcountry stuff yeah um i have it on big uh tires 35 inch tires so it uh, it's pretty pretty amazing what those machines will do yeah um and yeah the 185 is more of a utility machine when you know, I got all the guys and we're getting all of our gear so we can usually get in on a mountain hunt, you know, one trip in, one trip out. And obviously it's great for the family and going to the cabin and stuff like that. So mm. uh, just being able to, you know, being able to utilize the whole Yukon is such an advantage. Um, but, you know, it came with, a, <laughs> came with a, a big price tag and a lot of a lot of hours and a lot of. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know. There's a, there's a lot that goes into bush flying and to be able to access the Yukon is, uh, yeah. it's really the only way to do it. Yeah. So when my, one of my good hunting buddies and the guy, went on my first trip ever backcountry trip with, um, he's got his pilot's license. He just got a seaplane rating and, um, he just got a job with the, um, with the air national guard in Alaska. So, um, yeah, so like I said that before in the podcast, but Lord willing, I will have a, you know, a resident friend in Alaska who can fly in a couple of years. <laughs> so, oh man, that's, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Cause if it's like, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but right now, I mean, getting booking hunts in Alaska is, is very tough. It's, it's a year's, you know, two years out kind of deal. It's the prices have skyrocketed. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it's the same here for sure. Um, prices have have risen out of out of reach of uh, your average person. I would I would say, yeah. unless they're willing to save up and you know for a for for a long time. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the way it is all over the place. So for you, you guys can get uh, like a hunter host or a special guide with um, with a resident. Or you can actually go up there and hunt moose. So yeah, in Alaska, there's yeah, there's certain species uh, moose, I believe, definitely caribou, black bear, um, you know, Sitka black tail deer, probably a few others I'm not thinking of right now that 
you can yeah you can go up and I so um, but then you know doll sheep um, grizzlies mountain goats I believe is all you have to have a guide they're called guide required species right um, or if you have a like close family relation it has to be like brother i think or like you know husband or wife like a close family yeah. relationship uh you can they can host you for like sheep and stuff like that but um yeah just, that's pretty unique like yeah that's um that's unique you can't do that there's you cannot hunt or host or family or anything sheep in the yukon the only mm. thing that we the yukon gives out uh a hundred tags for moose and caribou per year to residents and they can only they can host canadians non you know non-yukon canadians um and that's the that's the only thing that you can do in the yukon so it's really limited here so uh, that's interesting yeah and so just a background so my my first ever like backcountry experience was not in the yukon but very close. We were 40 miles, I think, from the Canadian border in um, East Central Alaska, like near Eagle, kind of. Yeah. Um, and we did a, a walk-in kind of DIY caribou hunt. So um, just the – so I have a special kind of place in my heart. Like that trip, we didn't even kill anything. We got close, but we didn't – we had a few animals. We weren't 100% sure they weren't cows. They were, you know, younger bulls, so we didn't pull it. Non-residents can only kill bulls, um, so we didn't pull the trigger. But the trip just changed my life. I mean, just the the wildness and just the the sense of, um, you know, down here in the lower 48, you know, you, you kind of, even in the biggest places, for the most part, you know if you walk far enough, you're going to eventually hit something, you know. But out yeah. there, like, it's just like, you could just walk until, like, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> And there's like, you know, animals out there that might live and die their whole life and never see a human, you know, it's just like such a cool thing to think about. Yeah, no, we are, we are definitely in, um, well, Alaska and the Yukon and Northwest Territories and, you know, Northern Canada, it's, it's, it's literally it. There's no, you know, you can walk for 200 miles and not run into a road Yeah, and, and that's, that's, you know, not a joke. Um, which, which, you know, is why we do it, right? Is why, why probably why that place holds a, you know, that area holds a special place to you because mm-hmm. it's just something different that, that you can't just get on a sat phone or, or I guess you can get on a sat phone and call for help. But, you know, if you don't have one and you choose to go out into these places and you're on your own, you're literally on your own. Yeah. Like, um, you know, we live in a we live in a world that everything is at our fingertips. But the Yukon and Alaska, like these places, um, you just don't roll up into the grocery store and grab <laughs> grab dinner here. Yeah. So, <laughs> but going back to what you were saying earlier, um, you know, without getting a whole bunch of politics involved here, um, I from the beginning told myself I'm not getting the vaccine. So that kind of I thought for the foreseeable future closed off my possibilities of Canada, but I've always wanted to hunt Canada. I've got a few friends up there. Um, but that has just been kind of opened. Um, they, they, they relaxed that rule there. Um, but, but you're saying, I believe I've heard you say on other podcasts before. So I'm always just, I'm just kind of interested in investigating the possibilities for hunting in Canada. And, um, I'm definitely down with, you know, hunting with friends or, 
like you say, hosts. I, I'm not nothing against it. I'm not big on guided hunts. I just kind of like sort of having to figure it out a little bit on my own. Um, so is there uh, any any opportunity in Yukon for Americans, uh, like even with a friend up there, or, or is it pretty much you have to have a guide? Yeah, there's, you must have a guide. If you are a non-resident and you don't, um, especially if you're a non-resident of Canada, there is no way that you can come and hunt the Yukon without a guide. Mm. And that's just the, the system that we've had here for like since the 1920s or something. Yeah. Um, and it really, and that's why these, these outfits, um, there's only, you know, 20 of them in the whole Yukon, 20 outfitters, which is a large contrast from, you know, British Columbia or, um, Alaska. It's just completely different system. And that's why the price of hunts in the Yukon are probably higher than anywhere else in North America, mm. um, along with Northwest territories, because it's a very similar system, but yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it's not accessible to everybody and that's unfortunate in some ways, but, uh, it certainly allows for great game management and, yeah. and non, um, generally speaking, non over harvesting of areas. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these outfitters are, have been there for a long time in the Yukon. And I think a lot of them manage their areas well, yeah. uh, and which, which really creates this, um, for lack of a better term, sometimes this elitist type area um, that, like I said, that if you don't have deep, deep pockets or you haven't saved for a long, long time, it's really challenging to, to make it happen. And then now with COVID uh, to, you know, kind of to your point uh, with lack of access and lack of hunting over the last few years. Now those people generally that have had booked hunts, a few yeah. years ago, they had to get put off. It's a backlog. Right? So, so now it's, you know, a lot of outfitters, if you're a good outfitter, a quality outfitter, you won't have a spot available for another couple of years, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, and so that's, uh, that's another challenge that the whole industry is going to, and the, the Yukon, people that want to come to the Yukon are going to face over the next number of years. Yeah. But is it... Um, I- you may not know, but, um, are there some more opportunity like down South, you know, British Columbia, um, the other, you know, provinces down on the, on the, uh, American border? Yeah, I think the British Columbia, um, now they're talk about politics down there and hunting. It's, uh, <laughs> oof, I don't even know where to start. It's, yeah. a, it's a mess. Um, but there's probably more opportunity to get, to be able to go on a hunt in British Columbia, um, maybe Northern British Columbia. Now it's, uh, I would, I would say that there's definitely more opportunity. I think that it, you could probably get in, um, but it's, you have to do a lot more research and figure those outfitters out. Um, and that's one thing I recommend to, to anybody is like, if you want to go on a hunt of a lifetime, you've got to do your homework. Oh yeah. Like not, you know, not just, and then, and then the physical fitness and all these other things that come on top of it. Like I love talking to people about, you know, their next, their next hunt or where they want to, I get a ton of questions of who I should go with. And, um, 
and it's it's really it's really challenging sometimes for me to because I'm not in the know of how each individual outfitter operates. Yeah. But I know that if I was going to pay thirty, the fifty, sixty thousand dollars for a hunt, yeah. I would know exactly who my guide is. Oh yeah. I would know exactly where I'm going to go, and if the outfitter isn't interested in telling you that, it's oh, it's it's going to be. Um, well, I don't know who your guide is and I don't know where you're going to go yet. Um, you might want to look at a different outfitter. Yeah. Like yeah, that's least, a lot of... they, they may not be able to tell you that immediately, right? but if you're going to put your, you know, if you're serious about putting a deposit down in the kind of hunt and then that you're looking for, mm-hmm. um, I think that for the most part, people outfitters, a good outfitter should be able to accommodate your needs yeah. if to a degree, as long as you, as long as you show up fit ready to go right um you do your uh, part uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot to that whole subject that that i you know i get asked a lot of questions about that and yeah and um sometimes it's easier to answer the questions than than others yeah well um so i was i actually had a um i was able to jump onto a cancellation for 23 with a good outfit um in alaska and actually booked a sheep hunt. Um, nice. Yeah. Unfortunately, the guy called me about a month ago and was like, hey, man, you know, I don't want to take you on a 10-day camping trip. And we don't have any legal rams in my area. And so he actually canceled and sent me back my deposit, which was very good of him to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, but it stinks. But, you know, for a minute I was disappointed. Then I, I realized I think it's actually a blessing in disguise because, A, I saving a lot of money, but, um, <laughs> B yesterday I was able actually just yesterday. So I'm pretty stoked was able to find an outfit that does airboats, you know, up a river that I've been looking at. Um, they usually do drop camps and I was, I called them. They were, they're booked like two years out, but I was like, Hey, you know, um, I don't need a drop camp. I don't even need you to pick me up. I'll pack raft out. I just need a ride up the river. Can you squeeze me in? And the guy talked to his, his partner and they're going to take me up on an off day and uh, just drop me off. So I'm stoked. I'm heading up there next year. Um, not the Yukon obviously, but you know, Northern Alaska on a caribou hunt. So I'm stoked. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Good, good yeah. for you. Yeah, man. So, um, have you done a lot of uh, float trips like that? I'm, I mean, I know you, you guys use a lot of different types of forms of transportation, but uh... yeah, I've done. You know, I've done in the past. I've done quite a bit of river hunting for for moose, um, and one. You know, I haven't done a lot of real float hunting. Now I've done, you know, a, a few, obviously, like some pack rafting stuff. But one of the things that I would really like to do. And a kind of a bucket list hunt for me would be to go up to Northern Yukon and do one of these big rivers, mm-hmm. like the, you know, the snake, the bonnet plume, the wind. So one of those rivers and just, and do a season of hunting in a month and film it and, you know, take everything from, you know, moose, grizzly bear, uh, caribou, sheep, yeah. like kind of do it all kind of old school style and just have, you know, have an amazing experience. Um, That is one of those things that that's on my bucket list that I, I definitely need to do. Yeah, no, that'd be amazing. So, but are the, um, you know, are the sheep doing pretty good up in your area still? I mean, I've heard a lot of kind of, 
stories in Alaska about, you know, some tough winters and different stuff. Um, how are the sheep doing up in, uh, in your area? Yeah, you know, the last few winters up here have been high snow. Um, so we've had more snow in the last two winters than I've ever seen in 25 hmm. years. So um, now has it, has it affected the, uh, the sheep? I think this year I saw probably a decrease in old rams. Um, but at the same time, I found a lot of, you know, I found a lot of old rams. Yeah. I found a lot of young rams, like good, solid sheep up and comers. So the old rams, um, I think that maybe they, it hurt them over the last couple of years, but certainly it didn't hurt the young rams. There's a lot of sheep out there and it's, uh, yeah, the population is strong. So cool. It, That's good yeah, to hear. It's great. Well, um, we just kind of jumped in here talking about stuff, but I do want to back up just a little bit um, and give people a little context um, about you and, and kind of, and just for my own, my own uh, knowledge, um, what, just can you give me a little bit of background on yourself? Um, cause I know you do, I, I know you do some other cool adventure type stuff besides just hunting, or at least you have in the past. Um, and then I'd like to hear about, um, you know, how and why you got into TV because, um, you know, there's a lot of, let's just say, I still, I'll say this, you've, you've done it very well. And there's a, there's a lot of guys, unfortunately, in the outdoor TV space who kind of get lazy. Um, you know, a lot, there's a lot of shows of dudes just kind of sitting in a box blind over a feeder, um, <laughs> which is, you know, it's fine. There's nothing, I'm not <laughs> knocking that necessarily. Um, if that's your style of hunting. I've done that hunting I before am. too, but, um, and there's a time and place for everything, but you know, my favorite content, my favorite shows are the ones that are really adventure driven and it's not easy to do and it's not easy to do well. Uh, and you guys have done that. So I'm interested in like, uh, you know, how, how you're able to pull it off. Like, you know, do you have a background in TV or how did you do that? So yeah. that's a big question, but maybe yeah. start from the beginning and kind of just take me through. Okay. So I guess I'll give you the, the, the Cole's notes here on, on how, <laughs> You know where where it all started not necessarily tv but my background and yeah. so leading it like i've always I, I moved to the yukon from ontario when i was just after university and one of the first jobs that i got was i just needed to be in the in the wild places and i didn't even know what wild places were you know because in ontario you grow up and i grew up in farm country and you know there's a road everywhere right so I had no idea what, um, what wild places really were like. I didn't even really yeah. know where, where the Yukon was. Just to <laughs> jump in, do you, was, do you know what it was that drew you to that? Was it a feeling? Was it a family member? Like what, what drew you to that? Yeah. Well, I, our, our family camping trips, like we didn't, you know, we didn't have any, we didn't have any money. We were pretty, pretty middle-class, I guess. And our, we didn't go on, these big holidays or anything, you know, nobody was hitting a resort. Let, let me tell you that where, <laughs> when I grew up um, and our family holidays were put a wall tent in the back of uh, in the back of this big old car and go eight hours and, you know, sleeping in the back window of the, of this, you know, monster, monster car, like we used to do as kids Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on this eight hour journey into the bush. And we would have a canoe, and that's it. We would spend a week camping 
um, on some bush road in some little, you know, some little lake and we yeah. would uh, fish. So that cool. was where, that's where it all kind of started. Um, and then the love for the outdoors. And I would then go on the canoeing trips by myself and into Algonquin park and, and just that solitude and that nobody else was around and that there was nobody else. Um, you know, if something went wrong, you just had to deal with it yourself. There was something about that that appealed to me more than, um, you know, probably more than any, anything else that was impactful in my life. And once I realized I needed to, you know, I needed the mountains. And then, it, you know, after that, it was like lakes and rivers and, you know, bush wasn't enough. Now I need the mountains. And yeah. that's what led me, led me out west. And it was happenstance that we, we ended up in the Yukon. But as soon as I got to the Yukon, one of the first jobs that I that I had was uh, a packer in the Mackenzie Mountains in Northwest Territories, and that was that's a whole story how I got that job. But um, you know, by all rights, this kid from Ontario that knew nothing about the mountains, nothing about the wilderness or the the bush um, up in the Yukon, you know was thrown in the deep, deep water real quick. When you're, when you fly from Whitehorse, which is, you know, the end of the earth or most Canadians would consider. <laughs> and then you fly two and a half hours into the Mackenzie mountains north where there's not a road for hundreds of miles. Mm. You get dropped off and spend three months there or two and a half months there, yeah. come out bushed and your, my world was changed. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of where, that's kind of where the hunting part started. But, um, I was also a member of, uh, I was a police officer. I was an RCMP. Oh, okay. Um, cause that was my, I took criminology at university. So I kind of followed that, that path. My father was a police officer and I, I followed that path as a career, hmm. um, realizing that there was, there was very little money in the outfitting or in the guiding industry. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I, I kind of figured out real quick that this probably isn't the way to, uh, to, <laughs> to having a, a large bank account, yeah. a great lifestyle, but the bank account was not going to be big. For sure. Um, so I went, not that, not that uh, public service is, is the way to do that either. Uh, so I was a police officer for probably like eight years or so. Mm. And then, um, I left that to adventure race. So multi-sport race full-time uh so how do, how do you how do you make a living doing that is it sponsorship um yeah sponsorship i wouldn't say that uh so that was a lifestyle choice for sure um <laughs> you're not gonna get rich adventure racing either right but at by that point we had made some good business decisions uh i think entrepreneurship was always something that we um that i certainly had in my blood and while I was a while I was a member of the RCMP, we you know got into some different business stuff, and and that's really what what made sense. It was the catalyst to me saying, you know, I, to the RCMP, either you know I want time off to race full time. Sorry, I'm what's gonna, the RCMP? So the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Okay, got you. Sorry. Yeah, the the red jackets and the brown boots and the black. Yeah. Horse. Okay, so you were a Mountie. Yes. Nice. <laughs> there used to be a show down here about a Mountie that was I used to love when I was a kid. I can't remember what it was called, though. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a Due South or something like that, maybe. Maybe. I can't remember. Right. I was a little kid, but I do remember thinking it was awesome. Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, so I did that for like eight years and then I made the decision to, to race, uh, professionally for, um, so I left the RCMP and, uh, and we raced all over the world for the next 10 years, wow. just, yeah, multi-sport racing. And it was, uh, it was, it was an awesome journey. Yeah, I bet. And so when did you, I guess, tra- are you still doing races or? No, we, like, we were obviously still staying fit. And um, my wife, she still, she still runs, but we don't adventure, like we both runs, but, and she runs races and stuff, but we don't um, adventure race anymore. It's, it was one of those things that um, I often think I should go back and do, and do one just just to just to keep yeah you know just to keep on it but when you and this is what i think that a lot of people um like it when if you're a professional at something whether it's basketball or football or hockey whatever it is adventure racing and you're racing at the at the the top end and then at one some point you know the career ends right um it's really tough to stay motivated to, to continue that sport when you're no longer, you know, at the top of your game. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and for me, I usually have about a five in the past, certainly I've had like a, a five to six year, four to six year window where, um, I get itchy to do something else. Mm. And, um, we raced for 10 years. So that was, and we raced, you know, for the best teams in the, in Canada and the United States, we raced for the U S for a long, long, most of our career really. Okay. And some European teams. So yeah, that sport was really what, what gave me a, an appreciation and really helped me understand how easy life is the day to day that we have it. Yeah. Um, Sounds like you're kind of like me, like a, uh, all or nothing type. Like go a hundred percent or not really too interested in it. <laughs> yeah. Other, other than obviously staying, staying fit and being capable of doing, doing what you need to do on a daily basis. And in the mountains, that's uh there's no, you know, it's not all or nothing there. It's just all always. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I get, I get driven towards something. I focus on it really hard and I make it work. And then, if it gets boring and move on to something, something new that's stimulating. And it's, it's about keeping the, keeping the fire going, right? Yeah. It's about being motivated every day to get up and move forward. And that's what, and sometimes those things, you know, you need a new goal or a new focus to be able to stay motivated and be able to, to really continue to push and be the best that you can be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I definitely feel that, man. Um, so going into creating your show, like I said, um, I I worked for a TV show for seven years. I was a cam op, then I was a producer for five years, and I'm working on um, – not sure when this will air, but I'll just go ahead and tell you. I actually <laughs> – uh, this week I signed a contract with Sportsman. I'm – starting i'm launching a show in q3 of 2023 good for you man yeah so i haven't it's not public yet so i'm gonna wait to release this till later and and uh and uh you know just between you and me but um um so anyway 
Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, but like I said, so I, I, you know, I know a bit about TV. I know what it co- yeah. or what it goes into this stuff and how difficult it is. And um, you know, I see the quality of your production. And um, did you step into this not having a TV background at all? Like, how did you learn? How did you figure this out? Like, how did you get to this level so quick? And I know the first season of your show. I think you got the best new show on Sportsman, correct? Yeah. Yeah. We, fortunately we, we did. Um, but we, like, I mean, I had zero experience in <laughs> film or television. Um, That's we, amazing. yeah, we just kind of put our head down and learned along the way. Um, I think I knew what kind of, I knew what kind of program that we wanted to create. And then if you've got the right cameras and the right, you know, the right, guys and even even our situation like the guys that i work with um neither one of them like never knew their way around a camera even Hmm. wow so it was more of just okay we've got this amazing place i know how to hunt i know how to adventure hunt now let's try to capture it and um dave who's the who's the camera operator and the editor um he just worked for he worked for me at one of my other businesses and I just said, Hey, let's go out hunting. And and that's where it all started. He uh he went away on a on a holiday with his girlfriend and they did some traveling and they put together this little clip and I saw this little video clip and and then I was like, Okay, you got you've got some 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 talent, some skills, and uh let's see how this goes. But I did so where it all that's where it started with him, him and I. Um, but I've been thinking about it for a long time. Was and it something you kind of dreamed about doing for a long time, or did it just kind of come out of nowhere? Or? Yeah, well, it, retrospectively, my father, which is interesting, because my father had uh, a hunting fishing show in Ontario. Oh, really? Um, when I was a kid. Okay. But um, that ended when I was about sixteen. So I think I did maybe uh, one or two episodes with him, but I was playing That's hockey cool. and school and, yeah. and everything. And then that ended. So it wasn't an, I never really thought about it until years and years later. And I knew nothing about the industry, like zero. Um, and the industry had so changed so much since he had done that right. when I was, when I was a kid that the really, you know, and his, he was on cable so it wasn't, it just wasn't the same as being, you know, going for, going for sportsman channel or going for, you know, the, the top end of television, uh, in the, in the genre per se. Um, so kind of like what, if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah. Um, figure it, figure it out, get yourself, you know, get yourself in the right place and hopefully people want to watch it. And I think that that's kind of what I felt that if, if I hunt the way I'm passionate about the way I love to hunt that hopefully it will resonate with people, um, in, in a great place. And I think that, uh, to this point, you know, I mean, obviously you could always do better, but I'm, I'm fairly happy with, uh, with, with where we are. It's, it's never quite good enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that when it is good enough, then maybe it's time to time to pull the pin. Yeah. Um, because like you said, there's lots of guys out there, lots of people out there in this industry. Um, and I, 
you know, as I get, as I get longer into the industry, you know, you just don't care what other people are doing, um, to it, to a degree, but at the, at the same time, it's, uh, it's, it's a really, now that you're starting to enter, enter it, it's a really weird world, uh, the hunting space. When you, when you look at who is doing what and what credentials do you have? Like you just don't show up on a professional hockey team or football team or baseball without having years and years of, of, you know, honing your craft. And to the same thing with me is I just showed up and I just did it out of, you know, yeah. just put it together and, and you become, you know, we get the best new show on, on the sportsman channel in 2018 or 19, whatever it was. Um, that just kind of shows you where the industry industry is. Yeah. Uh, and then there's lots of, you know, lots of those people, like you say, sitting in yeah. box blinds over feeders. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's completely different. Yeah. different style i mean you have awesome you know it kind of goes to what you're saying before and you know with picking teammates and stuff it's like with a teammate you know you can you can teach a guy obviously it's good to have a an eye right an artistic eye but you can teach camera skills you can't teach attitude and effort right and you can you can teach somebody how to put together a tv show you can't necessarily well you can't easily teach somebody how to have the grit to you know pack in 50 kilometers and do a sheep hunt and you know kayak out or whatever you know what i mean so you have great subject matter um and then obviously you have uh a, a desire and a um a will to do things with excellence just based on your other careers and other pursuits and stuff like that so that and, and i get you know um I understand how these guys can maybe fall into just financially and just because it's easy of just, you know, I'll just walk up and set my camera up and sit in this box, you know, but, um, yeah. And, and that's the, that's one of those things about this, this industry is like guys get in it, into it for, for different reasons. Um, you know, but if you're looking, if you're getting into it because you want to make a lot of money, you better be unique. Like yeah. you better be, you better have something that nobody else has got because anybody with a video camera can sit in their box blind and somebody that loves hunting over likes whitetail hunting will watch it. Mm -hmm. It's when we get to the place where the customer demands that, no, I don't need to see, you know, Jimmy or Bubba sitting there <laughs> shooting something and then, you know, and then saying I smoked them like that to me <laughs> drives me insane. Yeah. Like the lack of respect yeah. that, that some of these, some of these other, other producers and shows are, are showing out there. Um, I think, I think hurts the, hurts the industry. Um, not everybody has got to hunt the way I do. Like you can't like, I I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, that that's the, I guess that's the good thing and the bad thing about, about the industry. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love what I'm doing. I, I've tried to do it to the best of, of my ability, but there are things out there that certainly, certainly 
I don't know. We all have our opinion and that drive me crazy. Yeah. And some of the lack of respect for, for the animal or for, um, or the way that, that some, some hunts are, are performed. Um, like I got zero problem saying like high fence hunting. I got no time for it. Mm-hmm. Like, like hunting over and people will beat me up over this, but if, if they do, they're not my people anyways. Um, like high fence hunting for big antlers and numbers doesn't, doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah. These places um, where they like breed monster, like yeah. deer, like from genetics from a deer farm. It's like, what is that? It's, that's very weird to me too. But, and then I'm not in the whitetail world, but you know, sitting over, over feeders and feeding, feeding these animals for, for, to build horn and then sit over that feeder and shoot them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't quite, don't quite get it, but that, and I think that those are kind of things that uh, I don't have to get it. Yeah. Uh, every, each to his own. And sometimes yeah. like I grew up in Southern Ontario and I understand that the hunting up there or hunting in all around the in North America is not the same as it is up here. Right. I moved here for the style of hunting that I, that I do. For sure. And, and not everybody is going to do that. Yeah. And I, I get it. And I don't want everybody to do that. Yeah. And that's what, that's what ultimately, I mean, like what draws me to adventure hunts and, you know, Western hunting as we kind of call it down here, um, is, is the adventure. And yes, the kill is a big part of that. Yes. The kill is important. And, but it's not just about the kill. It's about the experience and the effort it took to get to this place and the, and the beauty of the place you're at. And it might sound cliche, but, um, but it, you know, if you are kind of just sitting there, you know, and again, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to knock people. Um, you know, I don't want to alienate. We're, we're all hunters. So, you know, don't be offended by this, but you know, it's just the, there's no adventure to me in sitting over a feeder. I mean, it's just, like I said, I've done it before. I'll probably do it again at some point in my life, maybe with my kids or something. But to me, what really draws me to want to hunt is the adventure. Um, and so the kill isn't all it's, it's a, it's a part of it, but it's not the only part. And it seems like in that situation, the kill is kind of more like the only part. Yeah. I think that you like guys from the West, certainly look at it look at it that way because we can't really imagine the adventure in trying in setting up the feeder and making you know doing the land preparation in fields and all this like Mm -hmm. i can't quite fathom where that is adventure it's it's hard work and it and it takes skill and it's a science but at the end of the day you're you're doing it for the purpose to grow antler to to set up your tree stand and then, and then take yeah. that animal. Right. Um, so that to me, isn't, is like hunting to me is researching and going out into the wild places, physically pushing, pushing my body mm-hmm. and enduring, you know, weather and the yeah. aviation, all of these things. That's what it is to me. Now, if you're sitting hunting over a feeder, I guess I, I can see where people get excited about, wow, I created this 200 inch, you know, white tail yeah. more science to me than, than it yeah. is. 
but. it's definitely different for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I am interested to ask you something that just popped up. So, you know, most of us as hunters, we make the shot, we make the kill. And this is something that, you know, guys like us have to kind of think about maybe more than your average hunter. But, um, you know, you mentioned like, oh, and the guy says like, oh, I smoked him or whatever. Like, you know, when I make a kill, I get excited. I think everybody gets excited. There's a feeling of joy. Um, I obviously respect the animals I go after as well. Um, you know, I, uh, I respect the wild places and I want to have that reverence. Um, but I also think it's okay to be excited and to be happy and joyous when you have that successful hunt. Um, where, like, where do you think there the line is between like excitement and high fives and enjoying the moment? And when does it go over into like disrespect or is it just kind of a feel thing? Yeah, I guess obviously it's different for different for everyone. Um, but the joy and the excitement is, I think that if, if it wasn't there, we wouldn't do it. Sure. Right. Like, because like we, we put all this hard effort and, you know, our team and my hunts, they don't, we don't generally pull, pull them off in three days. Yeah. It's like five days to 10 days to 14 days sometimes. Um, and all of the effort and it's months of preparation to get there. And then mm -hmm. when you actually fulfill the, the, for lack of a better term, the, you know, the goal, which is killing that animal. Um, you should be, you should be happy and proud of yourself and, and be able to, to, you know, to express that with, um, with the people that, that you're there with, um, where it goes to, where it hits the other side to disrespect, I think is when people choose words like, like the, I smoked them. Like if, if you're choosing those words, then that means more to me about to, to the person that you are and what this journey or what this experience is to you mm -hmm. than, um, than anything else. And maybe, maybe I'm taking it, uh, taking it wrong, but, and that's not the way everybody is. But when I see, you know, that those kind of, those kind of words and, and the, the, and it's not just the words, but it's the facial expressions that you see these guys, these, these individuals <laughs> yeah. have. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more of like a, I just crushed you. Like, yeah. Like there, the, and that's where the disrespect comes in for me. I get you. Um, and I can sit here and, you know, Dave and Carl and I, and we can, or my dad or whoever we're with, we can high five and hug and be very, you know, be happy about, what we just did but then there's that the realization that that you know you did just take a life mm -hmm. and if you don't have respect for the fact that you just took a life um i think that there's something something a little bit odd about you yeah no i agree because those of us that like for me when i put so much effort into into killing an animal like if I'm willing to spend thousands and thousands of dollars and I'm willing to put in miles and miles and train all year round, 
I'm not doing that to disrespect the, the game that I just, that yeah. I just got. Um, I'm fortunate to have put all, to have put it all together, but at the end of it, I'm killing something. Mm -hmm. And yes, I'm taking it home and I'm feeding my family and I'm feeding many, many families. Um, and that's, that is part of it. I think we, so I, I just, the disrespect, the, that, and I think that when you, and I'm not, people are going to take this the wrong way. We're not going to take it the wrong way. I'm just going to say it. When you bait something over a feeder, maybe you don't have as much respect for it. Maybe you've, you've built this cow, like, and, and it, and it doesn't mean maybe it doesn't mean as much to you yeah. um, that it does when I put months of effort into getting one animal. Yeah. Um, maybe that's the differentiation. Yeah. And, and honestly, it sounds like I'm bagging on whitetail hunters. No, but I mean, I can almost see like too, it's almost like the animal is worthy of more respect because this might sound weird, but like, you know, that moose or that caribou that's, surviving in the Yukon, like having a hard life, like dodging wolves, surviving incredibly hard winters. Um, that's a, a kind of a more respectable life than like, like you said, a cow that just walks out to a feeder, eats its f belly full of corn and walks back down and just lays down or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's almost and like the animal requires more respect. I believe, I believe that, uh, yeah, you you've hit something there in that I think they all require re require respect, but I think that maybe that's where the attitude of people can get to a point where they where yeah. they where they smoke them. Yeah. Versus, it's almost like the guy, you know, you can it's sort of un unarticulate it's hard to articulate, but like when a guy scores a touchdown in a football game, um there's just a just a point where you can tell like okay this guy's happy and joyfully scored and then when he crosses over into okay this guy's being a a butthead <laughs> you know what right. I mean? there's exactly. just like a unwritten like zone there you can tell he's just like okay this is like too much um yeah. so that's that's <laughs> interesting man and you know if you guys are out there listening again I don't want to alienate any other hunters we're all hunters you know um we do things differently that's fine but anyway um so I do want to just jump gears real quick on you because um, I don't want to take up too much of your time and we, we've been going for a while. It's, it's flown by. Um, but uh, I am very interested in, so, you know, Lord willing, hopefully um, 23, maybe I can notch my caribou tag. And um, then, you know, something I'd probably be interested to do next maybe would be since Americans can do it in Alaska is in uh, a DIY moose hunt. And um, I love the way you hunt moose because um just for whatever reason i'm not super attracted to the like swampy boggy like early season type moose hunting but like the way you hunt moose looks really cool to me um more of a mountain spot and stalk glassing style um and i know we don't have a ton of time to get into it but could you kind of give me like a you know high level picture of where someone might start if they want to hunt moose in that way and again this would be in alaska so it's not exactly but i think it's similar terrain in a pretty, lot of ways so pretty pretty close to the same yeah could you give uh, me some some pointers on that um so what you want to do is i love hunting moose in the high country because i love glassing and i 
I'm not a huge fan of, and I, you know, I do it, but of lake hunting or river hunting because often you're heavily timbered areas and you, what you call out is what you call out. Yeah. Or you're driving by it, right? Whereas this, this mountain hunting, I get up high and I get to, you know, to see, and then I can call and if anything comes out, obviously great. But even if something is too far away and I'm in the right country, mm -hmm. um, I can see it miles away. Like it is really hard to call a big bull away from a cow from miles away. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to do it. it. It's hard to do it from, you know, from 500 yards. Like it's, if, if a bull's got, got a cow or cows to pull that bull away is going to be near impossible unless he's already bred them and he's getting ready to move on mm. then then possible but that's why i love the high country so you're looking for high country that doesn't have a lot of timber um like around that above that four thousand foot mark um certainly in the yukon and you get you get above that you're looking for willow i love late season so because what's the time frame things, you're kind of looking at so you, i really like october okay so, but access in october in alaska and the yukon to things are far more challenging mm. um so getting dropped off somewhere that you can be you know diy you can be up high and and then be able to pick up a moose and get it yeah. back to a place where you can actually get flown out is, is another challenge that you, that I don't know where you would without machinery and, and assistance, you can pack anything if you've got the time to do it. Right. You've got the place to get it, to get it to like, you know, a moose, if you're going for, you know, a mile or a couple miles is eight trips generally speaking okay now you start going five miles now it's now it's 12 trips yeah you know because just that weight over that period of time for me anyways at you know 170 to 180 pounds um that's kind of that's kind of what it would be like i can hump you know eight trips for a couple of miles but I'm not going to do it for five. Yeah. I'm going to, do, I'm going to do lighter weight and it's going to take me days. Right. Yeah. So those are the kind of some of the factors that you're going to have to deal with unless you know of, you know, you can figure out and do the research to find a, a place that you can access. Yeah. That is high, which, um, which is how you're going to get to look at more moose. Are you looking for uh, those higher areas that might have, like you're saying like a lake, uh, system below it where they'd be kind of down there and then moving up. Yes. So you're looking for mountain blocks that'll have a river Valley that you know that there's moose in and then, and then those moose will move up and you're looking for those red willow patches. Mm. Like they, they will sit there. They'll feed there all winter long. They'll live high in the mountain in those willow patches where gotcha. they've got browse for, for the whole winter. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, so maybe I need to find a, find a friend with a, with an ATV or something that can help me pack it out. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're big animals, right? And yeah. 
if if certainly if you're solo it's it's gonna be uh, oh i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't be i wouldn't try it solo i don't think but um um but okay how did you learn how to uh mouth call moose probably just can you give me a demo yeah just (laughs) just watching what watching my dad probably um he's he's a great caller and i think that we call very similarly as much as anything, it's knowing what call to use when and when to use it. Okay. Right? Could you give so, me a quick run through on that? Um, or is sure. that secret information? Yeah, no, no, it's 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 all it's all good. I'll give you the I'll give you the the, the quick version. Yeah, give me the cliff so notes. I, yeah, when I sit there and I get to a new area, and I've done all of the homework right, I'm in the right area, I'm up high, I've got or or I, I'm whether I have elevation or I don't, I start out my calling um, repertoire with, I start out with a long cow call, which is just, just a moan kind of identifying that I'm here. Just if, if you're in the area, you'll, you'll be able to hear it. Um, this let me, is let where me hear I it. Am. Let me hear All it. Right. <laughs> so this is how it sounds. So that's, that's just, and you can lengthen that out. I would draw that out as long as I could. And I would, and I would do that um, maybe twice and then do it every five minutes. Okay. So this is, this is, this is, let's call this four thirty five o'clock in the evening. Okay. Cause those bulls are, on, are not getting up at five o'clock. Um, generally speaking, unless they're right in the run and they're, and they're up and they're moving around but and the weather is cool but if it's a hot day if the sun is out those bulls are not getting up at five o'clock but they'll they'll hear that so that's just here i am okay and then they'll hear it and then 6 30 7 o'clock at night now they're getting up and they already know that i'm there because i've been calling for an hour and a half if i'm stationary in one place in a in a in a spot that i know is going to be good um so now they're going to get up and they're going to be with the cows or whatever they're doing, but they may decide, okay, I know where she is. Do I have anything that's closer? Yeah. If the answer to that is no, then that's where I'm head. Okay. So then they'll really, start. Do you mind actually closing the blinds behind you so I can oh. see you a little better? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. All I can see is like a black outline of you. <laughs> the, the day we started out in the darkness I here. Know. We started out in the darkness and as the day has gone on, it's, uh, it's gotten brighter. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Okay, so that's that's your first thing. Then what's the next phase? So then what I there's depending on the scenario. Um obviously you're listening for a bull and if he's a long way away, he may and he has a cow, he may just grunt at you. And if you can hear it, great. Um if not, that's what the elevation I always am looking for elevation to get up so I can possibly glass something that's a long way away that won't come to that call because he has more, he has cows with him. Um, so when I'm, so I make the decision to go after them. And often that's what I do. I don't wait for them to come to me because they may not come. Yeah. Right. They might just have a cow and just not bother. They're not going to make that decision. You don't sound good enough. So now I got to get into, into their space. So I often, um, when I'm going into their space and they have cows, 
and I want to pull them away from the cows. And then I get into a, a much more aggressive call. Um, a like, you know, I'm here and I'm ready to okay. call. Like, like you want me, I want you, let's make this happen type call. And that's, uh, and, and that often is really gets them fired up. And especially if you, if you're, you know, that three, 400 yards away. Okay. Um, how's that one go? Then they have to make a decision, but this is how that sounds. <laughs> So it's like, come on, fellas. Are you like pursing your lips? Like, what's your mouth look like when you're doing that? Um, <laughs> how do I? I don't even know how to do it without holding my nose. But kind of oh, like, you hold your nose. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. I'm making more of a nasally sound. Perfect. All right. Perfect, Matt. <laughs> so that's that nasally sound that and really aggressive and then i'll call way more often and if that still doesn't pull them out then i'm going in and i'm starting to grunt at them because now how's the, the grunt reason, what's the grunt like um so the grunt will be lots of guys just use like a. Okay. i like i like to sound um i listen to a lot of bulls and there's there's this nuance at the start of the of the grunt that most bulls have and big bulls have that that is uh is a little bit different than the end so it kind of sounds like hmm. it's almost this clicking noise at like the smack in their lip like yeah, yeah and then they and then the grunt um and that works like when i when i close that distance like Every bull that's got a cow is coming out to fight. Is that a challenge, like a male-to-male yeah. challenge type thing? Yeah. Okay. So what I do is because I haven't pulled them away with the cow call, um, I haven't been able to make, I haven't been able to do that. So now I know if I haven't seen the cow already, I know he's got a cow. Then I go and close that distance to 100 yards because he'll be calling. Yeah. Like he'll he'll be grunting at me, so I'll be able to somewhat locate him. And then as soon as I get into into his personal space, I start grunting. He's got no choice. He's got to figure out what, you know, okay, now there's a bull that wants to take my cow. Yeah. So I got to figure out who this is, and then it's over. Sweet. All right, so that's my moose hunting mouth calling starter kit. <laughs> if you take yeah, those three calls, if you can work them in the right scenarios, I think that uh, I think you'll do well. Cool, man. That's awesome. Thank you for teaching me that. Appreciate it. <laughs> that's a, that's the that's the first one. Uh, first time I've done that on a on a podcast. So. Yeah, that was gold. I Thank love you. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't take up too much more of your time. I know you got a lot of stuff to do. Um, but just like one more question. So you know, we talked a lot about like new goals and new focus. Um, are are is is uh. Greg McHale's Wild Yukon still holding your focus? Are you keep continuing the charge for a few more years? Or you got anything off like that's next, or can you share? Or how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty transparent. Um, it's the yeah, I'm always looking for what is the next thing. Um, I I have a few like these passion projects that I would like to do, and one of them is that 
that float trip and mm-hmm. um, where, you know, where I do a month long journey or whatever. And that is the, the whole season. Um, I think that that's something that, uh, that I, that I would like to look toward. Yeah. Um, and up there you can see like, like almost the whole transition from like summer to winter in a month. Yeah. Yeah. If you started kind of mid August, you would, uh, and ended toward the end of September. Um, yeah, be, awesome. uh, be some pretty cool miles in the, in the mountains. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's something that I, that I would like to do. Um, yeah, I, I would, I have a, a passion or an interest in doing, you know, hunts old school style as well. Like the style of like these expeditions, the way they did them in the 1920s. Um, you know, something like that really would, would be very interesting to me. Now it's, it's hard to find, to find the teammates that would be interested in, in doing something like that. Yeah. Uh, those are big, big projects, but, um, that's something that uh, in the future, I think that I would, I would really like to like to dig into, but yeah, I mean, we're happy doing what, uh, doing what we do. Um, there's, I have lots of other things that, uh, that are of interest to me outside the, the filming and the hunting world. And, um, I'm, you know, working toward those, those kind of goals. We, my wife and I, we do a lot of, um, we enjoy helping people on the fitness side cool. and that's a big, that's a big, uh, big thing for us that we get a lot of personal pleasure from. And, um, you know, a lot of hunters have really have been successful, you know, we've, that we've worked with and that's always great to see. Right. Yeah. So, um, the one thing about, I guess, about myself is diversity. I've never been, I've never been a one trick pony per se. And, um, that's why I loved adventure racing because it, it incorporated so many different sports to be, you had to be good at so many different sports and it wasn't uh, singularly focused. And that's kind of why, you know, I bring that to, I think the hunting, whether it's the aviation, the fitness, the, you know, the, all these other, these, all these different things that, uh, that have to come together to make it work. And yeah. that's really what gets fired up in the morning. So cool. Yeah. Man. Well, um, where can folks find you and check out the show if they want to see some of your awesome stuff? And I highly recommend if you guys are listening and haven't, definitely go check out uh, Greg's show. It's it's some of the best outdoor TV there is. So where can people find it? Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. But um, yeah, so Sportsman Channel, like um, I like to give give those guys a, a plug. Yeah, um, I've been I've been on the Sportsman Channel for ever since the start. So it's been, it's been great. Um, so if you have a sportsman channel, you can check it out there. I'm in Q3 and four, um, every year. So otherwise, you know, we've got some stuff on YouTube and obviously Facebook and Instagram and everything is Greg McHale's wild Yukon. Yeah. Um, I found you on Amazon prime too, prime video. Right. Right. So yeah, we're, we're kind of all over the place. Um, but all of the new stuff comes out on sportsman every year. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been great getting to know you a little bit, and uh, and now I I can maybe start working on my uh, my moose calling. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if uh, don't be don't be afraid to give me a shout if you need uh, need any help. I know if you're 
head to Alaska or yeah. whatever. Obviously, I don't I don't know um, intimately. I don't know Alaska, but I certainly know some of it that I could probably uh, help yeah. direct you in, in the right place. I appreciate place. that, man. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate that and all the best of luck. I don't know when this is going to come out, but the best of luck with the, the TV stuff. And again, there, if you have any questions, give me a shout. I'm more really than willing to help you out, man. It's, really appreciate it's, that. It'll be an interesting journey for you. And yeah. I wish you all the, all the success. And uh, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to give me a shout. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I'd love to maybe even have you back on the show sometime. There's so much stuff that, you know, we can only cover so much in an hour. So maybe we could do another one sometime. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm here. No problem. Do you ever make it down to the uh, Hunt Expo down in the States? I haven't been to the... Uh, yes. You know what? I was there maybe three years ago, the Western hunt expo, but I yeah. normally I do SCI okay. sheep show and, um, uh, shot show as well. Okay. Those are kind of three that I've, that I've done. Gotcha. Um, I didn't know if you yeah, might be at the expo cool. this year cause, uh, I'll be there. So I didn't know if we could link up, but that's all right. Well, um, some point we'll have to have to link up, but, uh, maybe, maybe I can even coax you over into Alaska sometime. We could link up for a hunt. I've, I've been, uh, I've been threatening to, to get over there. Um, <laughs> it's just that time of year is just so crazy, you know, just trying to produce the show. Right. For sure. So, yeah. um, before we take off or maybe after, after we, we go, um, I want to hear about uh, what style of show that you're looking at putting together. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, um, let's, uh, let's cut it here and then I'll, 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 we'll talk. So nice to have you on the show, man. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me here.